And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host today, Matt Watson. Very excited to be joined today with our guest, Jason Sebastian from Questech. Uh, He's the president of the company. They're a little startup that's 25 years old. I don't know if that counts as a startup anymore, but they've been through uh, major changes in the company, and we'll we'll hear about what they're doing today. And we're going to learn about material science today, which I don't even know what the hell that means. So we're all into uh, to, to learn a few things here today. Jason's laughing at me. All right, before we get started, I do want to remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by FullScale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. FullScale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team, Jason. Visit FullScale.io to learn more. Well, J- Jason, welcome to the show. And and what the hell is material science? Because that yeah. is the first question I have for you. Material science. Yeah, uh, it's, it's usually a discipline of engineering. By the way, pleasure to be here. Thank you, Matt. I was just joking with you. I don't think I've seen... Uh, materials on the uh, agenda of any of these past podcasts. So hopefully this is fun for the listeners. But it's a discipline of engineering. Uh, sometimes it's metallurgy, and depending on whether you're focused on metals or non-metals, polymer science. But it's it's about the study and development of new materials, advanced materials. So materials have gone through many iterations of design, from the Stone Age to the Bronze Age to the to the the modern age of uh, semiconductors and things like that. So as as a discipline, it includes all of that. Uh, it's kind of what got me attracted to it in the first place. It's really a bit of everything: chemistry, physics, engineering, mathematics. So is it uh, typically metals? plastics, like what all kinds of stuff falls into this? Yeah, uh, well, I'm trying to think, you know, most universities, they've usually just got a material science department, but there's a kind of specialties in in metals, metallurgy, ceramics is another big category. uh, And that can mean everything from toilet bowls to uh, more advanced ceramics, like high temperature coating type ceramics. Polymers is another category that kind of overlaps sometimes with chemical engineering and chemistry uh, and then semiconductor electronic materials uh, like silicon wafers and, and things like that that's another category uh, so it's really all of the above Quest what Tech, about what about things like paint and other kinds of like liquids or gases yeah, there, like... there are material science aspects to that not so much liquids and gases I think uh, okay. most material scientists are thinking about solids uh, paint is a is a combination of a liquid and and a a solid usually. So there's some material science going on there, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if there are a lot of ma- people that trained as material scientists that are now working on paint. But but yeah, all right. Uh, typically, mo- mostly the solid things we're dealing with. Well, so tell us a little more about Questech and and what you guys do. Um, you know, the company's like 25 years old, but it sounds like yeah. you guys have reinvented yourself about. 11 times. So tell yeah. us tell us what you guys are up to now. Uh, well, this is probably the third time. But yeah, the company was founded in the late 90s uh, by a professor 
at Northwestern University, which is right up the street from where I'm sitting here. I'm sitting in Evanston, Illinois, which is one, one town north of Chicago. This is where Evanston is. Uh, the professor was a specialist uh, in steel materials, but he had an overall, uh, and this is Professor Greg Olson, I should, I should give him a name. Uh, he had an overall vision that materials could be designed, uh, and, and not just steels, all materials could be designed. So that was his kind of uh, expert area, design of new materials. He started the company in the late 90s himself. One of his students at the time, a guy named Charlie Cuman. Uh, who went off to Apple Computer and then SpaceX, Tesla, folks in the material science community may know that name, and, and a financial guy named Ray Ginelli. He was the third co-founder. So they started the company. It was sort of a spinoff of Northwestern University at the time uh, here in Evanston. This was right at the time when I was in graduate school at, at Northwestern. So I knew about Greg, and I knew that he had this kind of vision of material science. He was not my advisor, so I was just kind of paying attention to what was going on on the side. Uh, they started the business. They were focused very much on steels. In fact, they had designed a few steels on the university side. And the business in its earliest stages was about uh, taking those steels uh, to the market, right? These are advanced, high-performance steels for like aerospace applications, landing gear. Uh, and they were looking to kind of replace what was out there uh, and, and uh, sell a whole bunch of steel. So we were licensing the steel to steel producers, trying to get uh, interest in the application of the steels. Um, that kind of broadened out. And this now is about the time that I joined Quest Tech in the early 2000s. I joined in, in 2006. Uh, well, I guess that's the mid-2000s. But the company had already been around eight or nine years. And by the time I joined, um, it had branched out from not just steel, but to other materials uh, types as well, titanium, copper, aluminum, uh, nickel. These are the, this is the whole kind of uh, pantheon of engineering metals. Uh, well, so I, I joined. Let me let me ask you yeah. a question for a second. So, d does your guys' company actually sell the metal, or do you guys create like the formulas and and you know figure out the right alloys and all that, and then basically right. license that, and then they yes. somebody else manufactures it, or like Correct. where do you guys fit into that? Right. Edu educate the, me how that works. Yeah, it's more of the latter. So we, we would design a steel computationally using the computer, using computational models. We'd file for a patent. Uh, we'd get the patent granted, and then we'd license the steel to a steel producer. Uh, there's a few of our advanced steels that are made by a, a major steel producer called Carpenter Technology in, in okay. Pennsylvania. And then they make it, and they sell it. And when people want to buy a certain product size, they call Carpenter or they call the steel maker, and, and we get a royalty on that. And that, that was the business model. Uh, it still is part of the business model, and we've branched out from more than just steel. Uh, but, we're, but, but we've kind of branched out from just that model of developing materials and then licensing it to a producer and getting a royalty. Uh, we started to do projects directly for corporations where we would design the material and they would sort of own it from there. Uh, we've got a few exciting success stories along those lines. Uh, but as we were moving along here, we ourselves don't make anything. We have a small lab in the basement where we can make tiny test specimens and, and put them through some of the motions and, and, and see what they look like under the microscope. But we ourselves do not make any product in that sense and never have. Uh, except for the, the modern age of Questech. So over the course of 20, 25 years of doing this, doing various uh, programs for the government, for, for corporate clients, we've, we've amassed a whole 
library of databases and computational models that we use to do these alloy designs. Uh, and the new pivot with Questech in the last uh, two years now, really, is to, to, to put that all together into a software package uh, and digitally transform ourselves and digitally transform uh, the folks that that use our software. So that's where we're sort of a, a startup all over again. Getting into the software business is a, is a new thing for us. We're very excited about it. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of the three the three eras of Questech, the original uh, let's take these steels to market and then the sort of middle range where we were doing more than steels and doing it directly with corporations and stuff. And now the new era where we're going into the software mode. Well, and, and so when we think about steel, you know, first thing I think of is like steel rebarb used for concrete, right? But yeah. that's like the most like basic, you know, type of metal that's used. And, and that's a whole different world from where you guys live in, right? Which is probably a lot more with military or, um, uh, airplanes, all these other things yeah. were like, I need it to, you know, uh, uh, for the military, right. That's like armor for a, a tank and it's gotta be able to take this, this kind of impact and this rigidity and this and that and whatever, and all these different yeah. characteristics to go to it. Right. So, um, I'm going to guess you guys have done a lot of work, the, you know, department of defense and, and things yeah. like that as well. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So steel's, uh, sometimes get a bad rap. Oh, that's 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 that ancient blacksmith stuff that we've yeah. been doing for hundreds and hundreds of years. But steel technology has advanced over these centuries, and the steels, the the most advanced steels we have these days are are way far and beyond maybe what uh, you know you or, or other you know kind of common folks would appreciate. Steel really still is the the highest strength to weight, strength to density material that we have. You hear a lot about aluminum and titanium. Uh, they have lower densities. They can get to certain levels of strength to weight, but steel is still king. Uh, and because of all those hundreds of years of, of, of development and blacksmithery and, and whatnot, we have a very uh, intimate uh, understanding of, of how steels work. There's a lot of fundamental knowledge that's been built up around steels. The steels we're talking about are very much aerospace defense type steels. Yeah. So the steels used for landing gear of aircraft. Uh, these are steels far and beyond uh, the strength level of, of probably anything that, you know, you run across uh, outside of aerospace and defense. Certainly, you know, in terms of your car or the engine or sporting goods type steels, these are very, very high strength, high toughness steels. Uh, the other place that, that they come up a lot, gear steels, the, the gears that, that go into machinery, there's sort of a level of gear steels. Uh, kind of run-of-the-mill gear steels that people that make uh, uh, lawnmowers and things would use, uh, and and then basic automobiles. Then there are the race car, Formula One type gear right. steels. These are the ones that go into helicopters, which are the absolute highest performance type gear steels, um, uh, and and rightfully so. You can you can live with your car transmission breaking down or starting to make noise. Right. Uh, Formula One guys don't like it when when cars break down, but they can live with it. But a helicopter, no, no sir. Um, so yeah, these are the super highest performance type steels. But that being said, um, you know uh, we we work with producers of steels on on a little more. Uh, run-of-the-mill type grades. They may have an issue where they're trying to make a, a basic steel, but they're making it over and over again. Uh, and they want to understand why sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. It's like the three little piggies or something like that. 
um, uh, or was that right? Is that the, anyway, <laughs> but just trying to understand the science behind, you know, a, a little more regular run of the mill steels is something that we also do within this sort of computational modeling framework. So, so tell me this for, for those just like me and those that are listening that are wondering like, what the hell is steel made out of? Like, yeah. are there like four ingredients and then some magic magic sauce that's number five or like what, yeah, what yeah. is steel no, made I, out of? I mean, of? basically steel is iron plus carbon. Uh, and, and, and when you add carbon to iron, it can do stuff to the inside uh, crystal structure of the material that gives it uh, much improved strength and toughness are the things we talk about. So iron and carbon equals steel. And the other two ingredients that you come across a lot are, are chrome and moly. You'll hear about chrome moly steel. Uh, so chrome and moly can combine molybdenum, I should say. It's another element on the periodic table. Chrome, chromium, it's another element on the periodic table. Those are probably the four main ingredients. But uh, engineering steels include a lot more other, other, other ingredients like nickel, uh, cobalt, silicon, manganese. It depends on what steel you're talking about. And, okay. and some steels would include all of that, you know, eight or nine different elements all doing different things within a in a single material but basically iron plus carbon and that was figured out oh, many many millennia ago so you mentioned earlier like other alternatives to steel um what about things like carbon fiber you know are, mm. aren't there are there other materials like that that they they probably have different use cases right like they're yeah. not gonna make they don't make a tank out of carbon fiber but they make a lamborghini out of carbon fiber yeah right so what what other materials are there out there besides steel uh, carbon fiber is a composite and, and it's usually carbon fiber and there's like kind of a plastic impregnating uh, resin that holds it all together. Uh, you can get to very high strength to weight ratios, but you can't get to very high absolute strengths. Uh, so uh, you can't really support a building, let's say, with right. carbon fiber beams, but you can form the, uh, the shell of a rocket or a Lamborghini or something like that or, or a piece of sporting good equipment out of carbon fiber. So uh, it's a composite, right, though. You've got the fibers themselves and then the resins holding it together. Uh, a composite uh, uh, is what they call that. Uh, but the other main engineering alloys that you'll hear a lot about aluminum and titanium. There's various uses of those because they, they're lower density than iron and steel. Uh, the other one you come across a lot is nickel. Um, and the nickel... Um, is an alloy that can go to higher temperatures uh, than steel. For, so for applications where you want to get to higher temperatures or you want a certain amount of corrosion, environmental resistance, you, you start looking at things like nickel. And, and, and nickel forms a class of materials they call the super alloys. And, and uh, that's particularly because of the high temperature aspects. Um, okay. there's other metals out there. I could keep going, you know, copper, <laughs> man, well, we're getting our, yeah, we're, we're getting our materials design, uh, material science uh, yeah. lesson today. So good, good, good. Um, yeah. So, uh, carbon fiber is not, is not a metal, uh, carbon fiber, like I said, is a composite, but it forms a class of structural materials. It's either carrying a load or, or forming some layer of protection against an environment, uh, so they do get all kind of lumped together. So tell me this. Tell me some of the, the cool projects you guys have worked on. Like I, I thought you mentioned before, like Apple, or I see here like something about yeah. nuclear reactors, like, oh, yeah. you know, Department uh, of Defense, SpaceX, like what, yeah, what kinds yeah, of cool yeah, stuff yeah. you guys work on? Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I know those companies, the ones you just mentioned, uh, in addition to the Department of Defense, um, 
we were doing a project about 12 years ago or so for one of those uh, companies as American as a certain kind of pie. If you remember Bendgate, where they were having issues with the iPhones, yeah, uh, people yeah, yeah. were sitting on the and then they, they, and well, this was a materials problem because uh, they needed to make the cases of the phone uh, uh, a certain size, right, and certain thicknesses and stuff, so they were constrained. Uh, but they also so and they wanted to use aluminum because it was lightweight. Uh, but they also uh, had a certain requirement in terms of the finishing, right? So the, the anodized surface of your consumer electronic product uh, is very important when it comes to selling lots and lots of phones. Uh, but the things that you add to uh, an aluminum alloy to give it strength uh, work against you in terms of making the, the surface very finishable, right? So there's a trade-off there. Uh, and and they picked the wrong side of the trade-off. They picked they, they aired on the side of finishable and ended up with something that wasn't quite high enough strength. So we, we looked at this problem, uh, and we found we started down the path of of of, of a solution. Uh, and and they liked what was happening, and they kind of uh, came in at the time. This is 2012, and did an aqua hire. Took a big chunk of the uh, uh, technical uh, personnel at Quest Tech. Oh wow. Uh, char- Charlie Cumin, who's the guy I mentioned a couple minutes ago, uh, went with and formed the uh, formed a, a team at, at at this place in in near San Jose, <laughs> uh, where they worked on materials design. Uh, and, and so there are new materials in in a number of products, a number of those consumer electronics products. Uh, there was um, the Milanese loop, the, the kind of braided uh, steel that goes into the band of the iWatch. If you if you buy that band, oh yeah. Uh, it's a stainless steel, but if you notice, it's magnetic. And making a stainless steel magnetic and, and still having a certain amount of uh, strength to it is a is a is a custom kind of alloy thing. The anodizable, anodizable aluminum I just mentioned. Uh, even at the time, there was a you used to be able to buy a, a gold Apple I, Apple Watch that had a, a custom designed gold alloy as part of it. And you can look up some of the patents. Uh, from Apple on these materials, and you can find the names of folks that used to work at Quest Tech and stuff like that. So there is a there's a relationship there. Uh, it was validated just a year ago. The the guy Jim Yurko, who is uh, uh, the the director of materials development at Apple, was at a conference uh, TMS, the materials conference, last spring, 2022. Uh, he acknowledged uh, in front of a crowd of about a, a thousand material scientists that uh, uh, Quest Tech had changed. Apple's approach to materials design. So they are a very forward-thinking company that way. And 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 um, another one would be uh, a company focused on space exploration. Uh, you do the you do the <laughs> contraction there. We've worked with them. Uh, in fact, Charlie Cumin, the guy that was at Apple, now leads the alloy development team uh, at SpaceX and Tesla. Uh, and uh, say think what you like about uh, Elon Musk <laughs> and whatnot. Uh, he is a very forward-thinking engineer-type guy. Material, he knows material science, um, and there are a number of alloys that those two corporations, Tesla and SpaceX, have developed specifically for certain applications. And there's at least one uh, where Questec had a hand. Uh, there was a um, the Raptor, the Raptor engine. That's their mm-hmm. new engine development. That's the one that lifted off the Starship about a month ago. Um, which is exciting in itself, right? This incredibly shiny, oh, the stainless steel, I can talk about that a little more, but it's, you know, it's an ama- it's the most powerful rocket that humans have ever launched and it's really excited, exciting. But one thing that wasn't being talked about too much, you know, when you go 
watch the launch is the fuel. The fuel is different, right? It's not kerosene plus liquid oxygen for the Raptor. It's methanol plus liquid oxygen. And that burns hotter and more oxidizing uh, than the, the kerosene liquid oxygen combo. And it's what you need, that kind of uh, thrust and that, that sort of combustion to get rockets eventually to Mars. Uh, but that highly oxidizing environment from burning methanol and liquid oxygen in the Raptor engine uh, means that certain metals will burn, right? So they, they had to develop an entirely new nickel superalloy uh, to enable the, the Raptor uh, engine configuration. Uh, Questech had a role in that. Uh, they, they took it over the finish line, but we had a role in the initial stages. Uh, and you can look up the tweets from Elon. I think a couple years ago he was saying, our SX500 alloy uh, developed by the SpaceX metallurgy team, you know, burns at a certain temperature and a certain oxygen pressure. And that's a, that's no small feat for, for an alloy. And, and yeah, Questech had a role in that development. Um, and we're excited about that. And, and I'm rooting for them in that way. Um, but, and so that's something where we work, both of those examples, the, uh, the anodized yeah, very cool. and the super alloy is something where we've worked with them directly. Uh, but just to give another plug for Tesla, which is not what I'm here for exactly, but you hear a lot about uh, the giga casting, right? Where they're you, they're casting the entire body die of casting Tesla, it. Die, yeah. yeah, of Tesla automobiles, like as a yeah, single yeah. part. This is incredible. Uh, but they could not do it with existing alloys. They had to develop an entirely new aluminum alloy that would be castable and that would give them the properties and the thin sections and the thick sections and would squirt through the mold with enough fluidity. Uh, so that they could do this, right? Uh, so they are a forward-thinking company that way, uh, and and it's pretty cool. Um, this is something that we would call materials concurrency, right? Uh, in the past, people would design a component, a rocket engine, or or a, a chassis of an automobile, uh, and they'd essentially go to a list of materials and pick 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 the one that worked, right? <laughs> and if and if it didn't have the combination of properties that they want and they needed for their part design, uh, they were either shit out of luck or they'd have to kind of change the design. They'd have to make their part thicker in certain sections to accommodate the strength of what was out there in terms of materials. Uh, these days, people are are kind of looking beyond, right? How do I design an, a new material, you know, given the constraints of what I'm trying to do with this product? So materials are on the table, on the design table, uh, the same way that the shape of a, of a component used to be, the same way that the electrical engineering inside of the component used to be. Uh, and uh, this is something that's been achieved in the other engineering disciplines, concurrency, right? We're considering mechanical aspects at the same time that we're considering electrical engineering aspects. Now materials has a seat at that table and people are really looking seriously at the uh, idea of new materials. Um, so yeah, that's, that is very much in the spirit of what my company does. That's very much in the spirit of what our software can help companies do. So I, I want to learn more about that software. I, that's, that's what yeah. I really want to learn about. Um, before we do that though, I do want to remind everybody that if you need expert software developers, it doesn't have to be difficult especially when you visit fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably use the full scale platform to define your technical needs and see what developers are available to join your team today. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. So tell me more about the software because it sounds pretty incredible to me that you could go in and I'm going to guess put in like, I need metal that can support this kind of 
strength and it would break under this kind of pressure and it could deal with this yeah. kind of heat. And then like magically it gives you like the formula or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, is that kind of the essence of what, what your software does? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of is. And, uh, and, and it's, and it's the, the important part that you're kind of getting at there is, is it's, it's computational. It's, it's software. Uh, even when I was in graduate school back in the late nineties, material science, which is not that long ago, right? I hope it's not. Not that old, but in the late 90s, like materials still had this very trial and error, experimental kind of aspect to it. There were things like computational models that certain professors would be developing to look at one or two behaviors of a, of a material. But the notion that you could de design a material with a computer, with a software, was completely uh, out there, you know, just 25 years ago. Um but it's exciting to see how things have changed, right? And and that's that's this is one of the acronyms that you come across in our field: Integrated Computational Materials Engineering (ICME). Uh, this is the the way of putting together all these various computational models that describe how a material works at various length scales and putting them all together uh, into a package that can do the whole thing that can you know, predict the overall uh, properties, the strength, the toughness, the things you were just talking about of a material or better yet, help you design the material. So over the years, there are the, the, uh, the length scales, uh, we're talking about things all the way down to the atomic scale. You can use quantum mechanics type models to predict, you know, the way the, the, at the atomic scale, a material will behave. And, and, you know, does it have cohesion between the atoms? Is there problems with the cohesion between the atoms? Those little atomic scale processes and phenomenon, phenomena scale all the way up to the macroscopic behavior of a material. And okay. there are length scales in between, right? That's the atomic scale, the kind of smallest scale. You take it a, a, a scale up, you've got the scale of the crystal lattices, then you have grains that are happening within a material. You have precipitates like the carbides and steel that affect the eventual properties. Then you have kind of the macro scale of how uh, things get put together, forging, casting, that sort of thing. So we're looking at things across all of the various length scales. Uh, we're using it to predict various levels of structure within the material, like the ones I just mentioned. So does, eventually, does that require some like crazy supercomputer physics calculations or does this run on your laptop? It no, no, it's more like the latter. Um, and, and there are some of this atomic, these atomic scale simulations that do take supercomputers and stuff. But for us, that, that's not, you know, most of the things we do run on a desktop. Uh, the software packages that we're developing now are, are designed to either run on the desktop or off in the cloud. Mm -hmm. uh, but the real computationally heavy stuff, no, that is not necessary. We'll leave that to the professors who really want to look at the detailed uh, quantum mechanical electron structure of things. Uh, we A lot of our uh, softwares and models are... are were originally developed as like Excel spreadsheets and stuff. So it's like input, output, boom, here's your answer. Right. Um, so the pack, no, they do not require, I, I guess in a way is they could run on your phone. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just seems like if somebody likes, you know, um, if you're trying to build a rocket engine and, and all that kind of stuff and you're trying to figure out at what point in time, you know, the temperature and pressure and all that yeah. is going to, blow it all up then yeah to be some, <laughs> some crazy of those simulations of of the flow of gases and stuff within an engine th those are pretty heavy duty simulations that do require some serious computing powder power 
but the ability to predict the properties of a material based on simple inputs, like what is the composition, what are the times and temperatures of the heat treatment, uh, these kinds of simulations are much less intensive. Okay, very yeah. cool. Yeah. So how long have you guys been building that software? Well, since the beginning, 25 years, right? The steels okay. that were developed at the end of the 90s, uh, there were some lot of models being developed uh, that went into the design of those steels. And then as we branched across all the other materials classes into the 2000s, lots of different models being put together. I say models, it's it's in the kind of broad sense. There are models, there are databases, there's uh, inputs and outputs, but we've been gathering all that stuff for 25 years. Uh, we've built a name for ourselves uh, in the field, you know, as as folks that can do this, we, the, we, we can say confidently that we're the only company that has computationally designed materials that are now flying. Uh, that's a huge milestone uh, in the materials development realm. We've got five steels, or five materials even, uh, not just steels, that are now uh, achieved flight qualification. Uh, so 25 years of, of kind of developing various models for various programs and projects. Uh, it finally kind of dawned on us, like, what are we doing here? There's a lot of this stuff that, yeah, we'll use maybe once or we'll dust it off every now and then, but... But, you know, unless somebody comes to us with another project on that specific system or something, uh, these models and such are just going to sit there. Can we pull them together into a package, into a platform and productize uh, this whole library of stuff that we've developed over the years? Um, so that's what we're doing now. And, yeah, it, it probably the knowledge goes back 25 years, if not further, if you want to dig deeper into the professor's uh, history. So how... Um, how is that going with building the software? Have you guys figured out like who your target audience is and, and how you sell it and, and all that kind of yeah. stuff? Or is, or are you guys still in like the development phase? Uh, we're, we're getting to the end of the development phase. The official release date is July 1st. Uh, but we had a soft release towards the end of last year and we've got a few trial and evaluation partners that we're working with the professor, Greg Olson, uh, is now at MIT, uh, and as part of his research group and his materials design class, they're evaluating the software for us. Uh, and then the company that I was talking about earlier that does electric cars and rocket ships, they're also looking into to the, uh, to, to the evaluation of the software. Um, so it goes live in, in a little over a month here. Um, the types of companies that would be, I mean, materials-intensive corporations – uh, that work with materials across a range of divisions and yeah. a range of product offerings. These are the ones that are going to benefit the most. So, it's, you know, think about companies like the ones I just talked about. Anybody makes major, cars or all sorts of stuff like yes, that. Yes, major defense yeah. uh, OEMs. You think about the Raytheons and the Pratt & Whitney's, although they're part right. of the same uh, company now, and, and um uh, Northrop Grumman's of the world. They're not just working on one pro one material. They're not just working on yeah. one component. They've got divisions uh, across the board, Lockheed Martin. Right. Uh, you know, they've got parts of their corporations that are doing assembly and heat treatment and putting things together. They've got other parts of the corporations that are actually designing uh, new materials and stuff. And, and we know for a fact that, you know, a lot of these folks are kind of not quite sharing information uh, or, or able to plug into what one another is doing in an efficient way. That's where our software comes, comes in. So does the software replace what you guys were doing before as like a, 
as a consulting or professional service? Is the goal to, or is it just a, a tool? It's like, it could be self-service where people could use the software or they could also use your professional services with yeah. it. Like, how do you, how do you see that evolving? Like your business model? Yeah. That's a really great question because it, 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 we get that question. Like, is, aren't you giving away the keys to the kingdom, so to speak? And, and we would say, absolutely not. Uh, it's going to augment what we've done in terms of services. A lot of the folks in implementing the software and, and subscribing to the software are going to need our assistance in implementing it or customizing it in a way or calibrating some of it to their production data. So, uh, in the end, uh, we will remain a services type consulting business, uh, that also has this software subscription line of revenues. Um, and, and, and we were just talking about it this morning with my boss, the COO, uh, you know, we, we would see that split maybe 50, 50, or even 60, 40 on the side of services moving forward. But yes, it's a great question because, you know, in the past we didn't quite have this perspective. It would have been, um, well, no, we, we want to do it for you. Uh, but a lot of companies don't like that, right? They want to do it themselves. And some, some of it is, is uh, not necessarily pride of ownership, but, but also because of security and stuff uh, and because of issues as it relates to intellectual property. They want to be able to kind of own uh, what they do. And, and the software lets them do that. And we're happy to let them uh, do it in that way. Cool. So does that mean you have to like ship the software and they run it on their computers. That way you don't have access to what they're doing and stuff as yeah, in regards depend. to the intellectual um, property. It's, cl it's cloud-based as we're putting together right now. So we, you know, if they would allow us, we would have the option of kind of, uh, you know, helping them or, or watching what's happening, making sure it's done correctly. Uh, if they want it to be secure and separate, then we don't. Uh, and we're always also looking into some like on-premise implementation um, it's kind of interesting. The most technically advanced corporations, like the aerospace and defense corporations, these are the these are the ones, uh, in some ways, less more reluctant rather to go with a full cloud implementation because of security concerns. Right, and stuff. sure. They're just not uh, cool with uploading their data to somewhere else where they would manipulate it there. So we're 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 remaining open. The the initial configuration is all cloud based. Uh, and, and people would have their own secure private partitions, but if they wanted us to kind of peek inside and, and help them with what they're doing, that would be an option. Well, I, I could definitely see somebody that does work for the department of defense, right. That would not want access to any of that stuff to be on the internet, yeah. you know, yeah. how they made the protective armor for the Abrams tank, you know, like yeah, yeah. trade secret or whatever. Uh, yeah, we, we've worked in those types of materials and that, I mean, you just, you just hit it on the head that some of that data as it relates to that, those defense performance, armor performance, that is very highly, it's not just about, uh, <laughs> cloud secure or anything. It's classified, right? So yeah. for customers that want to deal with that, um, and given that not everybody at Questech has classified clearance, none of right. us do some, uh, then that would have to be a, a separate arrangement. It's just going to be that way. So do you guys do that kind of work today? Like you're able to deal with top secret stuff or are you hoping this, that your software will enable that and then your employees aren't part of it? We do a lot of defense related work. Um, top secret is a whole nother echelon of classification. Most of what we deal with is, is a few levels down. Okay. Uh, but there is work that we do um, and this is independent of the software development. There's projects that we've done and engagements we've done for defense partners uh, where we have to be very careful about uh, where we store data and what we do with it and how we deliver reports and stuff. 
Interesting. Um, who can work on things? There's, you know, there's people that are at work at Quest Tech that are um, on work visas and stuff. We have to be careful about that. We had um, at one of my previous customers, we would have um, users that would download our software and they didn't have internet access because they yeah. were doing Department of Defense. So they're like, yeah. how do we install this software? And we're like, yeah. you don't. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. There's so. a, we have a room. It, it is literally a room that, that has key access where some of the, uh, the, not classified, but some of the restricted project work happens. Um, and this was just, you know, the, the, as of, as of a few years ago, because of the, the requirements with this, uh, customer, the army, right. Uh, we had to have a, an air gap computer installed, no connections to yeah. the internet. I might not even think these things existed anymore, but we've got one and right. And, and anything that goes in and out of that computer, uh, is done via USBs or anything, something like that, but absolutely no internet, but that that's in the realm of, uh, you know, uh, drawings and things like that nothing to do with our software per se uh but like list tables of requirements you know certain performance requirements for armor and things like that you got to be real careful about that very cool very cool that you guys get to do all that stuff it's a whole different world from um you know the type of software that i've i've built over my career and uh be very cool to build that kind of simulation kind of software or you know being able to do all those kinds of calculations and stuff is uh super cool it is cool. It's a, it's an extension of, uh, you know, what I learned in school and what I'm passionate about. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. Well, I do want to remind everybody, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, full scale can help. We have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and our platform will match you up with our fully vetted experts that are available to join your team. At FullScale, we specialize in building a long-term team that works only for you. Visit uh, FullScale.io to learn more. Well, Jason, I uh, really appreciate having you on the uh, on the podcast today, um, learning all about material sciences. Now I can say I know what the hell that means, so that's that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, are, are we getting near the end here? You're very good at those little uh, segue plugs. I, I don't even notice you're doing it, uh, but... I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I'm not good at it actually. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I, I'm excited about what I do. Hopefully the audience learned a little thing or two about materials. Um, you know, hopefully you appreciate why we're kind of a startup, even though we've been around for 25 plus years. It's a new you software know. business. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say in that, in that sense, right. We, we, we've been self-funding the software development uh, we we continue to be a, a profitable cash flow positive type operation, but we are looking for potential investors, VC type investment, uh, where we could use that that capital to really turbocharge what we're talking about here. Invest in prop a lot more proper software developers, a lot more proper market facing sales type people, uh, and really uh, take this to the next level ASAP. Um, well, awesome. Well, we were all rooting for you. And a uh, reminder, this is Jason Sebastian with Quest Tech. That is Q-U-E-S-T-E-K.com. Um, so as we wrap up the show, do you have any final suggestions, words of wisdom out there for other entrepreneurs or, or business owners? Um, boy, oh boy. Uh, stick with it and, and, and get excited. And, um, and you know, uh, 
for me to, I would just say for young scientists and stuff, right. Uh, you know, take, get that engineering mindset or computer scientists or something like, you know, you've got ideas in your head. You can put those into practice. Um, it, it's really exciting. I think a lot of people that study material science have this notion in their head that, Oh man, maybe, maybe I would be able to develop new materials someday. Um, and then some, a lot of them go off to companies and they're just in some procurement department where they're just buying materials and testing them or something like that. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, you know, on the materials side, you know, think big, uh, we're not new materials are always going to be re- needed. Uh, new levels of performance are always popping up. Uh, that's on the material side, you know, on the entrepreneurial side, I would say, uh, boy, you know, ideas are worth pursuing. Um, uh, you know, I, I was not, I was more of an academic minded science type person, uh, to have been part of this company that's gone through several rounds of reinventing itself and all sorts of phases of different customer interactions and stuff. It's, it's really exciting. Uh, don't get too bogged down in the science. Get out there with people and learn how uh, your te- technologies get applied in the real world, uh, and then go make successful businesses around it. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on the show today. Cheers. Thanks, Matt. Go start a puzzle. All right. Take care. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.